0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by DJ Zulo to break down a big New York Knicks win over the Charlotte Hornets, including scalding shooting from Julius Randle, multiple dunks from RJ Barrett on a hyper efficient night from him, Mitchell Robinson dominating on both ends and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every
1: day, and I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Strong shot without a five.
0: going from the win. Yes. Hops, hops left. Yes. Up and puck left. Now fires it. It's one. And he's five. It's done. And he's he in.
1: Anthony for three. Five. That one goes down. This is all about back up off the glass. It's good. It's a fire.
0: Becomes infectious. Becomes infectious. You are locked on, Nixon. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online now has you covered more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And I'm Gavin Shaw, a play by play broadcaster. Favorite play by play broadcaster, favorite play by play broadcaster. My co host is normally Alex Wolf, but he is uh, wrapping up a fantastic vacation. He'll be back with us on our next pod, um, I think. Uh, But luckily, I got a good replacement in mind, Uh, DJ Zulo, who runs the Craft NBA YouTube channel. Uh, Go check out his work there. One of of the best in the game at breaking down the game Uh, uses a whole bunch of clips. It is it has made me, I'll I'll say this much, is smarter basketball fan. So without further ado, let's get into it right now with DJ. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by DJ Zulo. Uh, If you're not watching on youtube you can throw him a follow on twitter at ace underscore Zulo. uh that's z-u-l-l-o um and check out his youtube channel uh the craft nba just type in craft nba or you can find it on his twitter account where he does player breakdowns dj I hope i got that all right but th- thanks so much for joining me man yeah. uh, second time in a month uh pl- pleasure to have you back
1: yeah, and certainly a different outcome. Um, mm-hmm. I was on when the d- that Nets uh, blowout loss. So this was a yeah. clean, fun, dominant, easy, pleasant win. So happy to be here on this occasion for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, you you it, man. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll get we'll get like a nail biter next time. You you can check yeah, out your Knicks, yeah. your Knicks bingo card. Um, but yeah. yeah, we only only one place to start. Um, incredible nights for Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett as that duo combines for. 59 points, Julius 33 and 7, 9 of 21 from the field, 4 for 10 from 3, 11 of 14 from the line. But DJ, actually, I want to start with R.J. Barrett because this was certainly one of his best performances on the season. 26 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 9 of 18 from the field, 7 of 8 from the charity stripe did go 1 for 3 from 3-point three range. And, and look, the Hornets are, are kind of built to be a get-well opponent for R.J., but I don't know about you, to me, athletically, he looked on. He looked at a different level than at any other point this season. I think he finished with two, maybe three dunks, had about four or five yeah. layups, and, and was just getting more separation. And granted, part of that was Charlotte's defense, but more separation than I've seen him get this entire year.
1: Yeah, he had three dunks, um, as you as you mentioned, um, and that's certainly an unusual occurrence for him. Started off 0 for four, and it had the makings of another inefficient, struggling night where we we're gonna have to come on here and talk about another rough outing. And then he had that and one dunk in the first quarter, and that that lifted him. I think he made eight for. Uh, I think he went eight for eight after that. Had a great stretch where he was getting to the rim at will, finishing. You mentioned the Hornets being a team you can get well against. You know the Plumlee play hard but he is not a great rim protector and they just don't have a lot of deterrence at the rim so if rj is going to play well it's going to be against a team like this but he did look more spry and he had a that one play where um it was in semi-transition he had the ball in his right hand in and out dribble finish it with his right hand for the n one it was it was those moves that he would he would bring out last year that i think gave us a lot of optimism that he was going to come into this year and make that next step. So to see him put those things together and then of course, get to the line a bunch of times, which he's been doing of late and making his free throws. I mean, he's going to be pushing. I think he's pushing 80% at this point now. So his free throw rate is right in line where it was last year. He's making them. So it's one game. It's, it's certainly not something against a team that's, you know, a bottom feeding team in the nba but it's certainly a moment for him to build on and i just i, I think if he can build off this game and then kind of clean up some of the defensive stuff that is still there I and mean, he had dusted a few times there was one where pj washington just isolated him and then left hand yeah. uh, dribble took him to the basket and it was one of those where you just wanted him to put a little more resistance out there but overall i mean it's it was a wonderful outing um his performance at the basket was really good. He had a couple missed layups early on, but after that was really strong uh did make a three late later in the game as well. so positive performance, and you hope that he can carry this through um going forward yeah
0: i'm 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 a hundred percent with you um the, the, starting the night with that and one uh kind of dunk kind of throw in on on plumley was was really encouraging to start um and then immediately on the other end of the floor he he kind of misnavigated his uh, a screen and he gave. Uh, Bryce McGowan, a wide open three, and I was like, "All right, here we go." But but yeah. to your point, um, it, it got better quick. Had like a really nice dribble handoff with Emmanuel. Quickly showed us some nice burst to get a layup there. Had had the lob that he caught from IQ in transition, uh, which was good. And, and then then his passing, um, I only four assists in this game, but was really on point. Um, particularly his his lob passing. That's how he got. Three of his assists, one to Sims, and then back-to-back ones to Isaiah Hardenstein, where, where that was sort of his signature pass early in his career, that kind of lefty, like over-the-top hook sure. to a rolling big, um, and he he was he was flashing that in abundance in this game, and then just a couple of other little things that I I thought were really impressive. Um, he, he caught his defender sleeping at one point in the corner, and and just had a rapid-fire off-ball cut and, and got it from Jalen Brunson. I I. I think it was literally the first ten games of his career. I remember coming on this podcast, and he had a game where he had, I think, three layups off of cuts, and I was like, "Wow, the Knicks really got something here!" Right, this this guy who has all this talent, but also has like the basketball savvy. Like Prez was coming on yesterday and just talking about like how his his basketball education is is basically second to none, going from like Kevin Boyle at Montverde to Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. Um, and and I was like, yeah, this guy is, I mean, he's, he's so competitive. He's fundamentally sound. And then you don't really see the cutting for the better part of, of three and a half seasons, but yeah, came out tonight, at least on that one play. Um, and then just, he, he, he threw like a couple of good outlet passes in this game, which is really simple, but all year we've seen him kind of asleep at the wheel in transition or, or or better yet playing with blinders on like, he's not, he's not asleep. He's frantic, but in, in, in a counterproductive way, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he did have one play like that in this game, but I, I love just the early hit head passes. So simple. But they led to um, one of them led to the Quentin Grimes dunk. I think one of them led to free throws for Julius Randle. Um, easy plays, but the ones that he hasn't really been making all season.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned those two lobs to Hartenstein uh, in the second half, and that was when he was playing with that big lineup with Sims, Hartenstein, and then um, the three, the two other guards quickly. Um, and McBride where RJ was running the offense basically at that point. And that, uh, that lineup really didn't perform well in the first half. They were a, a net negative, mm-hmm. but in the second half they did some nice, nice things. And it was basically because they let RJ kind of handle the ball, run some pistol action, run some pick and roll, get downhill. And then he w- did a really good job of having some on target passes to Hartenstein and you know, his passing and I, and I listened to the interview you had with Prez and it's one of those things where, he uh Prez mentioned that would be the one skill that if he can just pick one that RJ kind of elevates himself into becoming a really good passer, that would be it. And there were flashes tonight where you you could see the vision. And it's, again one game. We'll see how where we go from here, but he needs to be able to make those at least make those simple plays. And then if he gets to a, a point where he's making high-level uh reads, where he's seeing things before the defense even knows what's happening, then we can then we have like a potential star player down the line. But you know it's 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 very encouraging for him to perform this way and finish at the basket get to the rim as he's as he's been doing all season basically finish and then make his free throws and and that to me it's probably something that's been a little underrated sure. to shoot 80% and continue to make uh, get to the line as much as he's he's been doing is is a real positive so if we're going to take some things out of the season so far which as a whole has not been good for him the fact that he is he's doing so well at the free throw line in terms of attempts, in terms of efficiency, is something to build on, and I think that we we potentially could be seeing a little bit more um, of that going forward. And I think if the Knicks can kind of take some of that usage off Brunson, who looked a little tired uh, to be honest, so I don't know if they're going to maybe rest him uh, coming up, but he just doesn't look like he has the same juice right now. So maybe take some of that usage off him, let RJ run a little more offense you're not going to run the whole offense through him, but give him some chances like they did in the second half where he needs to run the offense to generate some looks for his teammates. And maybe that'll expand upon his game a little bit.
0: Yeah. He, I it's weird because I almost feel in some ways he's learned a lot of the bad habits in his NBA career from Julius Randall, but one good one that he could learn from Randall, that Randall's—I mean—showed off a lot in that 2021 season, is showing off a lot this season. Is sort of his his signature double pump pass, where he's either faking one way or he's looking like he's going to shoot, hanging in the air, um, and mm-hmm. and kicking it outside. And the good thing about those types of passes, at least in general, or, or at least the way Randall does it, is they don't really require like a, a quick read and a quick decision. Like you, you can be kind of plotting, you can be kind of meticulous, and then, and then you're sort of doing your work in the air, ma- manipulating the defense by going up, hanging, and then throwing it somewhere else. And for now, like that's to your point, that's three steps ahead of where RJ is. Mm -hmm. But with with his style of play and his ability to just get downhill automatically and draw two defenders as well as anyone outside of Randall and and Brunson on this Knicks roster, um, I think that could be an avenue for him going forward and and look you still you still want to see like those spray outs that you see from luca and lebron night in and night out and and towards the end of last season rj flashed that at points earlier this season he he threw a couple of those and and occasionally just whips out ones that that kind of shock you um we didn't see that tonight from him but i i I do think all that stuff is there and it's, it's ultimately just putting it together and and honestly a lot of its mindset more than anything else and maybe if it's not tibbs the next coach will get rj wanting to throw those passes, but you know what, DJ, if 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 you want to throw those passes, if I want to throw those passes, there's only one place to go, and that is masterclass. What is masterclass? Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class individual instructors at the top of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video sessions, usually about 10 minutes long. Members can explore at their own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials, class guides, recipes, or more. Masterclass is accessible. On your phone, web, smart TV, and available via audio mode to listen to classes on the go. You can find all of it at masterclass.com. Over 2,500 videos from 180 plus of today's most brilliant minds are available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Roku. And this is the crazy part to me. I hear that. I'm like, all right, that's, that's $30, $40 a month. Annual membership starts at $15 a month. Just a ridiculously good price personally I'm very into the comedy class taught by Steve Martin just, just incredible I mean I mean the guy he gives you the goods I, I I promise I'll be funny on this podcast going forward so be sure to head to masterclass.com today and check out everything that they have to offer and then look once you once you have all those new skill sets presumably you will be running your own business in a short amount of time there's only one place to go to hire a dream team it's LinkedIn these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Personally, I, I haven't been lucky enough to be able to hire on LinkedIn yet, but I have applied for jobs at a LinkedIn, and there's no site better at connecting me with the work that I want to do. And that, that's look, that's a niche industry, podcasting, play-by-play, but LinkedIn always hooks it up for me. Um, So all you have to do if you're hiring those, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the words, the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown MBA. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Gavin Shaw, DJ Zulo, uh, be sure to check out his YouTube channel, The Craft NBA, some of the best player breakdowns you will ever get. DJ, I think you, you did Bull bowl, bowl the other night?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, He had a game against the Clippers on the 8th of uh, December, just a few nights ago, where um, he had another strong game, showed that shot diversity, impact on the defensive end. Um, really one of those guys where it just shows you that you can't really – write these guys off. I mean, he had a, he had a few seasons with Denver. Um, You know what he, there was potential that he was not going to be in this league going forward. And now he's a legitimate rotation player, a starter right now. And a guy that uh, potentially could be looking at as, you know, getting a a decent contract at the end of the season. So, you know, don't write off these young guys uh, too soon, but it was nice to kind of dive in, see the good, see the bad, see everything and see how he's kind of developed into a quality NBA player. I feel bad that Alex is missing this podcast because he, he's, he's a big bull bull fan I advocated
0: for him on the Knicks for a long time, but okay. anyways, you should go check that out there, but we should circle back to the Knicks uh, power forward of the present and maybe of the future, Julius Randall, uh, mm-hmm. another great game. I, I already mentioned the shooting numbers, 33 and seven in this one. So Randall now over his last six games is up to 27 points, uh, nine rebounds, four assists, half a steal, from the field, 35.5% from three, uh, 86% from the foul line, uh, basically playing like a better version of the second team all NBA guy. He was in the 2021 season, DJ, what what did you, and and I I should note, um, unlike some of these other nights where he's been going off with largely really good and and most importantly, non-problematic defense and and defense that, Probably doesn't want to make his teammates just scream at him for hours after the game when he gives them a dirty look after giving something up. Mm -hmm. But DJ, what what did you make of Randall's performance tonight? Um, And and what have you made of the the turnaround we've seen from him over these last couple of games?
1: Yeah, something very early on I noticed from him is that he had basically he had stopped taking long twos. He had basically taken from the start of the season layups or shots in the paint and then three-pointers. And I know he had a couple of shots. In the first, I think, one in the second half where it was just like the typical Randall face up, jab, step, jab, step, long two, missing. Um, You take those shots away, he was getting to the basket, getting downhill, getting to the free throw line whenever he wanted to, and then taking catch and shoot threes. And I think that recipe has been great for him this year, and it's the reason why, or the big reason, one of the big reasons why his efficiency has really jumped this season compared to last year. And I think it's he deserves credit for that. I know that the defensive stuff has been um, in and out and mostly bad this year, but the fact that he has really taken um, to heart, you know, what a good shot in the NBA is, and for him, he's really tough to stop when he's getting downhill, and he's a pretty good shooter. So if you take those elements and you eliminate all the inefficient you know turn around fade away shots from you know anything outside 12 feet in that 12 to 24 or 23 foot range and you eliminate those shots and you're just taking threes and you're taking layups and you're getting to the line a bunch then that's the recipe for an efficient offensive player and if you can just be passable on defense and at 69 250 or whatever he is there's no reason why he can't be a passable defensive player he was his second season with the Knicks when he was a part of a really good defensive team and he's been passable the last few games. And I think at his size, he just shouldn't be a disaster. If you're a disaster in the NBA defensively, it's usually because you're really small and you get hunted on defense in the pick and roll scenario. But for him to be bad on defense, it's just him not trying. So if he can just meet the level of just being, a decent um, defender. And then you combine that with an offensive player that is just taking really good shots now. And that's been the case since the beginning, like since the jump, he's been taking really affected, effective NBA shots and he's doing that consistently. And now he's making them at a a pretty decent level. Um, I mean, this is the recipe for a borderline all-star and I just, I just tweeted out um, that he's, right. He's a few games away from getting serious all-star buzz. And this is a guy that many on this, uh, many in this fan base want to see traded and I can see the merits.
0: No, no. Oh, I, I was raising my hand as one of those people. I wasn't. <laughs> oh, you were one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, wanted. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah so I, yeah. I
1: mean, I appreciate that. And I, if you can find a trade for him and you can clear that cap space long-term and you can find a way to get another player in here, I can see the, the, the point of that, but. I think that what he's doing now is really turning himself into an effective offensive player. That is something you, someone you could build around and take that contract that he signed a couple of seasons ago. And now that contract isn't a negative value contract. It's maybe a neutral contra- value contract, and it could potentially be a positive value contract. So I think that's what he's doing. And I think that's really important for this team because I think one of the issues last year, the big problem is long-term was that, he had signed that massive contract, and then you had you had to figure out what you're going to do with this. I mean, just to have the long-term future tied up in him was a real problem. So if you just take the fact that he's now made that contract to be at least something that a team can stomach is a positive thing. And if he can be a part of a future uh, winner, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I'm just happy to see him take shots that it fits what the NBA, the modern NBA game is supposed to be. And the fact that he has defense potentially could be just passable. You get that player and that's a borderline all-star and a guy that can be a conduit to some winning some ball ball games this year for sure. Yeah. Look,
0: I'm not, I'm not going to totally buy in yet because we, he had a, not not with the same kind of shooting but he had a similar in terms of effectiveness seven game stretch last year during that extended uh nick's west coast trip uh i think it was right after the all-star break and then it, it all fell apart again and they had the big this game year, against
1: the lakers against yeah, dallas you're right the warriors
0: yep. won yeah that yep. was that was great um and then this year, I mean, when he opened the season, like he wasn't scoring like this, but he was playing incredibly unselfishly and then it fell yeah. apart. And, and then we had the nuggets game where he was amazing. Then the next game, I, yeah. I can't remember. I think the Warriors game is before the one, but the next game he sucked again. So it's, it's just so incredibly up and down with him. Um, but to your point, I, I think we, we've almost reached a point in the season where you could say like, all right, the, the shooting is kind of real for him and the efficiency is kind of real for him. I mean, obviously the, the current three point bender he's on isn't sustainable, but Prez noted this yesterday. One, one of the best things he's done this year is, is just dramatically uptick his three point volume. He's, he's just done, he's shooting just under seven per game on the season um, over this last six game stretch. He's shooting just under 10 per game. Um, yeah. We noted he's, he's been electric um, these last six games uh, over the course of the season, shooting 46% from the field. He is at 79% from the free throw line and, and just under 34% from three. And I, I don't believe that's including tonight's stats. All right. He probably should be up to 34% yeah. from three. And look, we, we've said from the get go with him, if he hits that number on high volume, that is fantastic for him. And, and it just creates driving lanes for him that otherwise wouldn't be there. And the ability as we saw tonight to just be a bull in a China shop. And I mean, man, that's, that is my favorite version of Julius Randle. And you combine that with, improved patience under the basket like he, he had a play where he was surrounded by three defenders and he pivoted pumped pivoted pumped yep. pumped one more time and then finally mm-hmm. laid it in and you you look at someone who to your point it can shoot from distance is is just a force with his physicality and his high level touch and and skill and footwork around the rim like as much as as there are things that he does every night tonight not really but pretty much every night that are I think are utterly counterproductive and, and occasionally toxic for team mm. morale. Uh, you cannot take away that that is an excellent yeah. offensive player. And um, Ariel noted this, but, but with this new lineup, they have also been using him as a switch defender much more, which DJ, you can expand on this if, if you want, but that's mm. an area where he's never really been weak. And I, I think there yeah. is something to the idea. I think I said this two podcast episodes ago about just challenging his manhood in a way and, and, and not leaving him in a drop situation where it's like he could, like it's kind of ambiguous and he could blame someone else. Like in a switch, like you have a guard has you on an island, like either you're going to stop him or you're probably going to get embarrassed. And I, I think that mm-hmm. brings the best out of Julius. And on that end of the floor, uh, talent in terms of foot speed and strength, obviously is not an issue. It, it, it is merely focus and interest.
1: Yeah, he's re- he's always been good um, on the perimeter, and it's when he really locks in, as you as you uh, you mentioned. And I think it's something to the fact that he's to your point, where he's being put in these situations as a switch defender, where he can't just lag on defense. And I think maybe you can relate that a little bit to where what Thibodeau did a little bit in the second half with RJ, letting him run the offense a little bit, where if you want him to, you want to see him make these passing reads, then maybe put the ball in his hands a little more and force that issue where. Um, you know, for RJ, he's been mostly a, you know, floor spacer um, since, you know, that's sec- his second season to where he really hasn't had a ton of on-ball reps where he is running the offense when he's been paired with uh, Julius Randle. So when he's not allow him to run the offense a little more And then for Randle, if he's going to be a switch defender, he's going to at least give effort. And it's one of his best skills is that he's got great feet. He's huge, he's wide, and he's just really tough to get, to get around. So that's definitely using his one of his few strengths on the defensive end and putting the, the spotlight on that and highlighting that a little bit. So, you know, good work for, uh, for Thibodeau to maybe do that a little bit more. Um, I want to see more of that. And, you know, it's, it's from, for me, I, the confidence I, ha- I have for Julius going forward is that even when he's had bad stretches and he's had some this year, it hasn't been because he's started to take those like really bad, mid-range, inefficient shots. He's been, a, he's been taking the right shots since the start of the season, so I don't expect that. I think that's pretty much what he's going to be doing the rest of the season. I don't see any reason why he would start taking those inefficient looks again this season. So if you're going to take a player that's going to take the right shots, then if you can just clean up a little bit of that defensive stuff, then he's going to be a positive player. And then you just have to figure out if that positive player has enough trade value to where you want to get something for him of value and reset your roster a little bit. That's certainly a conversation I think the front office is having. And it's one you probably couldn't have had if he was performing poorly because at that point you're just worried about what are you attaching to him to get rid of him. And you know the Knicks are – they're really just not apt to do that. So the fact that he's been performing well gives the organization a little more option to, to decide what you want to do long term. Yeah.
0: I mean, for, for everything that has gone wrong for the Knicks this year, um, I mean, it's, it's hard not to say that that is an obvious bright spot. Just, just the fact that he is tradable. And and, and to your point that that's on the table and because for a while, it, it felt like a kind of a hostage situation. They were, yeah. they were painted into a corner with this guy. And, and look, I was Alex and I were on them to trade him all off season. We came on this pod and said, look, if, if you got to attach a pick, especially with the way Obi was playing earlier this year, mm-hmm. just do it. Um, things to, have clearly changed and uh yeah. you know it may be not 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 in the case of obi like that that is still something they're gonna have to figure out and, and maybe he should be the one in trade talks and not emmanuel quickly if, if they're deciding julius Randle is a long-term piece in, in terms of the contract implications there but uh o- only time will tell how that settles itself but if you want to bet on julius Randle's continued success there's only one place to go it is bet on BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. I am looking at the NBA odds for tomorrow. The Clippers are four and a half point favorites over the uh, Washington Wizards. Um, I am all in. On that line, I I think Kawhi and Paul George are due for a big game. So head to the website today if you agree with me, or if you don't, and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there—from football to basketball to soccer and esports—we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. I am looking at the NBA odds for tomorrow. The Clippers are four and a half point favorites over the uh, Washington Wizards. Um, I am all in on that line. I, th- I think Kawhi and Paul George are due for a big game. So head to the website today if you agree with me, or if you don't, and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. is where the game starts. All right, third and final segment. Um, we got our answer on how are the Knicks going to handle Obi Toppin's injury. There's a lot of a lot of speculation. I, I'd go so far to use the term. uh Hub, is it Hubba Bulu? Hubba yeah.
1: Hubba I think so. Yeah. Sounds about right. I,
0: I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have. You're that the wordsmith, you. so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna defer I, to you. That's that's generous. We, we got to get Clyde on here. He would he would, <laughs> exactly. he would know in a second. um But uh yeah, there's there's a lot a, a lot lot made out of uh whether uh, the, the the melodrama of mm-hmm. whether or not Cam Reddish would. <laughs> kind of instantaneously work yeah. his way back into the Knicks' rotation after seemingly being permanently benched. Of course, there, there was precedent for that situation with Kemba Walker a year ago, and Kemba just dropping 44, 9, and 8 on MSG and, and, and telling Tibbs to F off while mm-hmm. doing it, essentially.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, I was hoping Cam would get that moment in the sun that Tibbs doesn't seem ready to risk it again because he, to your point, instead played Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein together um it didn't really work in the first half though it did lead to one very fun sequence where isaiah hartenstein kind of kind of drove a closeout and tried to throw a slip pass to sims that ended up at his knees and out of bounds but i, I that it could have been some fun center to center action yeah um but dj what what did you make of that what do you think they're going to do going forward and, and do you think i mean look tonight it was a blowout that helped rj was at 35 minutes julius said julius was at 36 minutes it, it seems like if they are going to stick with that group and against some teams it's probably going to look really ugly I, I just think you're going to end up in a world where there are a lot of games where RJ and Julius are going over 40 minutes
1: yeah I think so too and I, I'm I th- I tweeted in the first half that I had I just never wanted to see that lineup again that's how I thought they they played how poorly they played but I to their credit in the second half and thanks to RJ kind of running the offense a little bit they did play much better uh that group but you know, the problem they have is that if you want to elevate RJ to the four, then who are you? You're so small because you have two wings that have been banished and Fournier and reddish that you're not playing. So then you're elevating Grimes to the, to your uh, three position and you're just becoming very, very small in that case. So I, I just don't know if, as I think about it and after the game, I was just trying to process, all right, what is, what is Thibodeau's option options here? And I think that to your point, maybe this was the team to experiment a little bit with, especially in the second half when the lead was starting to expand a little bit, to see how this lineup could fare. But against teams like you know the Celtics or even the Kings, um, who they're they're going to play in a couple of days, I just don't know if this lineup could work because you just have so many non-shooters, non-spacers on the floor. But um, you know, when you're not playing Fournier, you're not playing Reddish. Then you know, yes, you can elevate RJ to the four. But then you're just everyone else has to get bumped up too. And I just don't know how realistic that is for a guy like Thibodeau, who want who is a guy that always wants size on the floor. So I know he did mention RJ at the four being a possibility, but the fact that he didn't go to it at least a little bit today tells me that he was elite, he was maybe experimenting with the big lineup or he just doesn't like he had to give in his second thoughts and just doesn't want to go to it just yet. But I mean, the the larger, larger issue is right now they're playing with, if you're going to say Rose is not playing, you're not going to play Fournier. You're not playing Reddish and Toppins hurt. They are really shorthanded right now. Um, So I I just, if there's going to be a trade, I just hope that it happens sooner than later because right now they just don't have a lot of options. And these minutes, uh, you could, as you mentioned, 40 plus minutes is certainly in the cards. If uh, the Knicks play a close game coming up here for Randall and for Barrett. So whatever's going on with reddish. I want to, I just want some resolution and then we can analyze it at that point because to have a guy like him that would be a natural fit to at least play the four or the three, depending on what you decide to do just sitting there. I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So make the move, whatever you're going to do, either play him or trade him because him just sitting on the bench, along with Fournier is, is a problem. And I think Thibodeau, um, I would imagine would want some more options here. So I'm sure he's pushing for a resolution too, because it just isn't, it's just not good for it to have a guy who's been professional, uh, Fournier as well, Rose to his credit too, has been, they've all been professional about this, but when you have Thompson out now, I think this pushes this organization to make a move if they're going to uh, uh, make one or just tell uh, Tibbs that he's, that Reddish is here and that you have to play him because right now this just isn't going to work long-term. There's just not enough bodies to throw out at teams. It could work against the Hornets, but it's not going to work against decent teams. So, uh something's going to have to break here and i'm not exactly sure what it is but if i had to guess it's probably going to end up being a reddish trade and we'll just see if that's for draft picks or for a player that's going to um need some playing time
0: yeah my first presumption when when reddish didn't come in was all right something is is imminent and they don't mm-hmm. want to risk him getting hurt and and, and potentially messing up that deal. And and then I remembered, uh, Tibbs does insane things all the time. So who right. who really knows? Maybe, maybe nothing is imminent. Um, I, I and, and then I realized I have, I have no takeaway on this situation, yeah. but I'll, all I'll say is I'm in agreement with you. And I think that's a great point about Sacramento because I think that lineup will, will be exposed against that mm. team and, and, and the type of space they make you cover, uh, defensively, yeah. but let's, let, let's bounce around real quick. I know. Um, I, I thought he had a great night and I know you wanted to touch on Mitchell Robinson.
1: Yeah. He's been great for the last like five or six games. And he's playing like a guy that is firmly in that conversation as being a above average borderline top 10, top 12 center who's worth every penny that he's being paid. And I know there are still things that he doesn't do that drive a lot of people crazy. And I, and it's, it's something that he's, he's never going to be a guy that's going to make reads out of a a short role. He's never going to be a guy that's going to score outside the paint, but for what he does, I mean, in the first half, the Knicks off. I mean, especially the first quarter, the Knicks' offense was a mess, and the only reason why they were staying afloat was because Mitchell Robinson was generating offensive rebound after offensive rebound, and their second chance point uh, differential with the Hornets was massive, and it was almost all because of him. He is such a dominant force on the offensive glass. His rim protection isn't hasn't been elite this year, but it's still excellent. And then tonight it was awesome, especially that first quarter where, yeah, it just felt like anytime the Hornets were anywhere near the rim, he was either blocking it or deterring the shot. And he was just he was just incredible. And his effort was was high sky high. And his screening in the second half, there were a couple screens where he set on a, the Brunson's defender that. And Brunson missed the shots, but he generated Brunson open looks on multiple occasions in the second half setting screens that were solid that were strong that weren't him slipping to the rim that weren't him kind of bending over and leaning and just kind of getting his forearm in the way he was standing strong and setting solid screens multiple times in the second half. He just he's playing really strong um, team defense. He's playing very um, good overall uh, play for a while now for five or six games um, after his injury. He's come back and he's in shape. He is um his fouling uh, situation has gotten under control. I mean, he's just playing really well and it's just nice to see him um, play this. Well, and I know there are a lot of people before the season that mentioned that, you know, would we get to a point where Hartenstein was going to be talked about as the starter or the better fit in the with this um, starting unit. And there was certainly some merit to the idea, the theoretical idea of that coming into the season. But I mean, we're just talking about two very different players in terms of like how, how, good they are how impactful they are I mean Mitchell Robinson is on a different level than Hartenstein who is a quality backup center and still I think is, is going to be worth the money the Knicks are paying him in a value contract but Mitch is on a different level and I'm just happy that he's showing that the last uh, handful of games and I just want him to continue it because I feel like he's a good good kid he's done so much with his life from where he came from to where he is now to get that contract and I just I didn't like the fact that so many people were kind of throwing in, in his face that he wasn't yeah. worth the money He is. And he's playing like a borderline top 10 uh, center right now. He is a generational offensive rebounder. He's one of the best in the game and he just does things that very few players in the league can do. And I just want to see more of it. And I I think we will, I think Tibbs has been for all his faults has been great for him. And these, it's been one of the, uh, you know, revelations for the the Thibodeau era is going to be the fact that he turned Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson into a solid NBA center that can play 25 to 30 minutes. So yeah, I did want to uh, spend a few minutes on him because I just I'm just so happy the, with the way he's playing uh, right now.
0: Yeah, he was, uh, and and he's done this a, a couple of times mm-hmm. this year, and, and going back to last year where if there is someone who is not physically capable of matching up with him, he he just he he utterly dominates and and basically yeah. humiliates them. And that that was that was the case tonight against Mason Plumlee, and 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 just setting the tone early in this game. And I and look, I I thought honestly like. For all of Randall and RJ's offense, to your point, that was that was kind of the key to the Knicks eventually turning this into a blowout where, where that was such a mismatch at the five spot. I mean, started the game just running the floor hard for a lob, then had a, a putback flush, a, mm-hmm. a vicious help side block on Terry Rozier. And then I think this was the play... Uh, you were referencing on, I think it's uh, Jalen McDaniels. I was get by McDaniels mixed up, but um, just just got a piece of his shot and then kind of knocked it away from him uh, to force mm-hmm. a shot clock violation. That that was all in the first four minutes. Had, had a play where he, he, I don't think he he actually didn't score, but he had three straight tip in attempts, yeah. which was just comical because it, right. it looked like the big brother playing with the little kids. Yeah, and... he
1: actually had a he had a good chuckle after that. He missed yeah. all the shots, <laughs> but he I think he um, he yeah. also found that pretty hilarious that he was just so. Um, just on the ball so much. Yeah. And you would just think one of those would have fell over, uh, eventually. But the fact that he was able to generate so many offensive rebounds and tip ins was, was pretty hilarious.
0: It was, sure. it was, it was a joke. Um And, and then uh, there was one, one final stretch that stood out to me. This was more similar to what he had earlier this season, where the first six games of the season, I thought was the best defense I've ever seen him play in his career. Even, even if he doesn't have quite the mind bending athleticism he had as a rookie, when he was, he was jumping out on James Harden and, and blocking his step back. Um, yep. but, but just getting multiple stops in a single possession. And, and he, he had a play where he, he basically shut down Maladon with a, a nice contest. Um, the Hornets got the rebound, and then he switched onto Oubre, um, just doubled him, smothered everything that Ubre was trying to do, deflected the pass, shot clock violation, and a guy who can snuff out multiple fires. I mean, that, that's what Draymond Green does. That's what Anthony Davis does. That, that's what you start talking about, all, all defensive team consideration and to your point i think he's going to have to get back to those those elite shot blocking numbers and kind of mix the best of his game as a rookie with the best of his game now if he if he ever gets there but man oh man that that was special um uh, I'll, I'll just go rapid fire on a, on a few sure. final guys uh, jalen brunson don't have a lot to say too. Uh, pretty horrific shooting performances in a row so but did, did have 11 assists so uh give him credit for i mean did take took 13 shots but not overly forcing the issue compensating in other ways he he was too good for his opponents tonight Quentin Grimes four for eight night um, showed some nice hustle on an offensive rebound and, and a little cleanup had, had that vicious dunk in transition where he, where he showed yeah, some a little real body. Statue bunnies. of Liberty. Yeah. yeah, you don't, you don't. I mean, I, I think we we can tell he's that kind of explosive with some of the layups he has yeah. off of closeouts, particularly when he just crashes into a big and he's able to hang and still hit it. It's almost Ja Morant super duper light at times, but mm. but that dunk really showed it. And then um, Hartenstein, I-, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. He's the guy has been getting beaten up all year. Um, 11 points, 8 boards, 2 assists. Like I-, I was really happy for him when he got those back-to-back lobs from R.J. Barrett. I mean, he, he gave R.J. a big high-five, big smile mm-hmm. after the second one. You could tell this game was-, was about 2 months in the making for him to just have an easy offensive night. And, and had a few really high IQ plays. One of them, um, a friend of the pod, Tom Piccolo, pointed out, where, where on RJ, like, I think it was RJ's, like, first, like, like when he, when he kind of snaked the pick and roll and, and got a lefty layup. Oh, it was, it was off that dribble handoff from Emmanuel quickly, where he just basically set a, a legal moving screen by like, kind of faking as if he were boxing out his guy and totally cleared. I, I think it was probably Plumley, maybe it was Kai Jones, out of the lane, got RJ a wide open layup, and then had another one at the end of the third quarter where he kind of tipped a rebound to himself and then tipped it right to Deuce McBride for a wide open jumper, and, and that's the last place I want to go. Deuce McBride, uh, two threes, uh, equaling his season total, so that's fantastic. Two steals, ten points, um, more just elite physicality from him. Um, had a just ridiculous strip on on, on McDaniel's from behind. Yeah. That it was it was it was Quentin Grimes level hands, and I don't say that lightly because I think Grimes is some of the best hand um, in the NBA. Um, we noted we noted the two threes. We noted the jumper. Just harassing D from, from the get-go in this one. And it, it it is so obvious that what he does is contagious a year after being plus 40 per hundred possessions. I, I noted it last time. I think he's something like plus 23 per hundred possessions <laughs> only could have gone up tonight, DJ.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually watched a little bit of the Hornets broadcast and I happened to turn it on when they were talking about McBride defensively. And they just kind of, as an aside, just, and you could tell it was the first look that that broadcast team had gotten of him maybe mm-hmm. all, since he had been in the league. And they were just marveling at how good he was defensively, how he just stuck with Rogier and was able to just be in his shirt, the entire possession, full court um, uh, defense from, from the jump. And just a guy that has been a great defender in this league since he, he came in, who's now starting, who who now made a few uh, jump shots. And I feel like he's a guy that is, it's a confidence thing because you know he's he's always shot well. His uh, second season in at West uh, in college, he made forty percent of his threes. He made a bunch of his threes in the G League. So the fact that he is not shot well in the NBA is probably a product of just not getting into rhythm, or it's a confidence thing. So the fact that he's made a few uh, tonight and then made one mid-range shot that looked pretty good. You know, it's, it's just going to give him confidence and he's never going to be a great offensive player. You know, there's limitations with him as a ball handler and um in terms of explosion athleticism that is just going to limit him to what he's going to be. But if he's going to make a lot of open uh, shots at a, at a decent clip and then play that usual defense, which is just been awesome. And for him at his age to be so good, so quick is just a testament to his effort, his technique, his, his pedigree, his. Is everything. He's just been really good uh, defensively. And as you mentioned, it's completely contagious and something that, you know, I hope that we could see more of. Uh, and him swapping him for Rose has just elevated this uh, defense um uh, superbly for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, not not to take pot shots at Derek Rose, who I love, but it but it is almost as much of a case of like what you're adding as, as, yeah, as what you are. For sure taking away and, 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 maybe, maybe look, maybe a future career if the three start dropping similar to what we're seeing out of a former West Virginia team. And I, th- I think they overlap Javon Carter in, in Milwaukee, who is an mm-hmm. essential cog on, on one of the two or three best teams in the NBA. So on that extremely optimistic note, DJ, thank you so much for joining me again. I, I, I really appreciate the short turnaround because it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, one final time. Can you let everyone know where they can find all your great work and, and what's coming up in the, in the near and, and distant future.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So, um, if you go to YouTube, you search the Craft MBA. I do player breakdowns. I try to get at least one in a week right now. Um, maybe a couple. I did Bobo as we talked about sure. uh, most recently, or just uh, follow me on Twitter, Ace underscore Zulo, Ace underscore Z U L L O. So all my stuff's there. If you you can find my Twitter um uh, link at the in the profile. So yeah, thanks for having me. We'll do it again. Maybe as you mentioned, we'll get a a you know nail biter, something to really sink our teeth into. But nice to come <laughs> yeah. on with a some happy Knicks talk to, to speak about.
0: All right, that'll do it for this one. Uh, we will see you guys on Monday recapping the Kings game. Until then, be good. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy a three game winning streak for the New York Knicks.